Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. I'm loving what we're going to talk about today. And this is the baseline for lots of relationships. When you try to figure out what's going on in my relationship with this person, how come it doesn't work? How come it does work? We're going to delve into attachment styles. And she is a life and mindset coach. And she's also an energy practitioner and does so much to help people in terms of coaching, consulting, and speaking. And she's back with us, Gina Bartosik is on the program. Welcome back. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm great. And it's funny because over the weekend, I started talking with a friend just exactly what we're talking about, but we didn't have time to go into a lot of depth like we are today. But everybody, every relationship has some type of attachment style, right? Definitely. And each one of those styles has very different views of intimacy and togetherness as well as how they deal with conflict. Like even attitudes towards sex is very different when within each style. And so really when it comes down to it, each one is going to communicate their wants and needs differently if they even have the ability to do so. And it changes with um, what their expectations are, their partner and the relationship. So really knowing your attachment style and kind of understanding the language and behaviors to watch for in someone else's attachment style can be beneficial in having a successful relationship or not, whether, you know, more so this is geared for partners in the dating world, relationship world, marriage, though, in my experience, it's even fallen through to friendship Hmm. and work relationships. So are there... Gina, are there different types, like three basic types or four or whatever? Sure. So I like to say there's three standard types. However, there, depending on who you talk to, there's a fourth. And what that fourth is is a spinoff of one of them. So one of your types is going to be anxious. So they want that intimacy. However, they become so preoccupied with a relationship, they start worrying about their partner's ability to love them. They tend to give a lot, but they settle a lot. They sacrifice a lot of themselves. They may even become somebody who they're not. Like friends and family might go, what the hell happened to this person? Like they're normally legit and put together and now they're a mess. Um, And then you've got your secure person. And it's very simple, secure, stable, hand in hand. They're secure with that intimacy. They're warm. They're loving. They enjoy the closeness, yet they appreciate the time alone. And they can be separated without the anxiety, yet they can also be close without feeling like they're compromising anything or they're being controlled or suffocated. Now, then there's the avoidance, right? And this is where you find that fourth one, because avoidance can be one of two. You've got the dismissive and you've got the fearful. So depending on the studies you're looking at, they kind of classify the disorganized avoidant as a fourth category. So I kind of like to keep it simple and we'll just group them up together. So the dismissive one, pretty much what it sounds like, right? Um, Kind of blow things off a little bit. They have a freeze flight trigger uh, chronic survival mode. They don't trust very easily. They are great at building walls, um, very self-reliant. 
and just downplays the importance of a relationship altogether. They tend to create that distance and withdrawal when they feel threatened. So if there's a moment of great closeness, more than likely to follow it is going to be a blow-up of some sort or a big withdrawal for possibly days. And so then on the flip side, that disorganized, that fearful avoidance you know, still doesn't really want to get too close, right? But they do want that intimacy. They long for that intimacy, and it scares them to death. So they're kind of in there playing between the anxious and avoidant. And really, with that avoidant who's disorganized, depending upon who they're with, can really display what parts of that attachment style comes to play. So if they happen to get with somebody who's more avoidant, then their anxious tendencies are going to come out. If they get with somebody who's more anxious, it's going to trigger this side of the avoidant tendencies. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it's as you're describing this, I'm like I'm picking people in my mind who they would be. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and what's funny? It is so interesting how we are first to pull people we know versus start understanding where we are. And you know, good news and bad news in this for all the people who are single out there, and there seems to be a lot of them. Um, stable personalities when it comes to attachment styles make up the majority. So about 58%, so about half of it. Hmm. Um, anxious attachment styles are right around there, around that 20%. Avoidance are making up the rest of that. And the percentages are split. Um, in this day and age, the closest I could get to was a 2022 study who kind of had the disorganized and the dismissive split half and half. And I tend to wonder if the current dating world is kind of changing that a little bit. Because years ago when I studied this, that disorganized was about 4%. It was pretty rare. Um, but it's growing, which is quite interesting. Now, for those dating and relationships or married, avoidance don't tend to stay together because they don't have the glue to keep it together, right? You can't build anything when two people are trying to stay far apart. Um, and what do you, like, can I, I just want to double yeah. check here. Um, when you say avoidance, uh, how do you describe that? So, essentially, within the avoidant attachment style, they equate intimacy with a loss of independence and try to minimize close. So it's hard to build a relationship without a closeness being built. And that intimacy it becomes very distant, isn't sustainable in any healthy relationship. Hmm. How do you know what you're dealing with? Like, let's say you meet somebody, uh, time goes on, a little bit of time goes on. Uh, is it that you're you're missing something in the relationship and that's kind of like the, the red flag? You know, there can be a lot of red flags. Uh, I'll be honest. So we're going to step back just a minute because anxious and avoidance, they make up the dating pool. The majority of the dating pool out there right now is anxious and avoidance, and they attract each other, yet they trigger one another. Mm. So that if you ever hear, I'm sure we've all heard of them or been in them ourselves, the roller coaster in the relationship, the high lows, right? Everything's great. Everything's falling apart. Everything's great. Everything's falling apart. That more than likely is an anxious and avoidant trying to have a relationship. That's a crazy roller coaster, and it can be toxic unless, they figure out my attachment style. Now I understand what's going on. <laughs> wow. I, I can't believe we're talking about this because we we have somebody just weighed in. Instant feedback, Steve at gmail.com. Um, okay, if I read this and we answer it? Yeah, go for 
Saturday. Excellent. All right. This is Josh, West Palm Beach, Florida. He says, I'm dating someone and find we're not on the same page in terms of our closeness. I'm, let me just read this here. Uh, I always share my feelings and would say I'm mushy. She rarely shares how she feels and isn't that mushy. Our relationship is okay, but I feel I need to feel validated. By the way, she has lots of anxiety. What are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are, yes, I'm not surprised she has lots of anxiety. Uh, So it sounds like you may be more on the anxious side without asking further questions. Um, So without her response, I'm going to say more than likely she's an avoidant. Avoidants struggle to share their emotions, and they may not be accepted. So, or they're trying to keep that at a distance. So they're not willing to be as vulnerable. That's a risk to them, to be vulnerable, because then their partner may use it again. Mm. Um, So it sounds like maybe some more clarity, and I always recommend when dating somebody, Ask clarifying questions. You know, what is, what do you expect from a partner? What do you expect from this relationship? Communication is key. If we don't communicate, we're left out here in the questionable what if land and making interpretations and judgments and assumptions that we have no validity. So it's really important, as scary as it may be, to really ask those questions. Even say, I'm curious why you don't share your feelings. Mm. So you're saying in Josh's situation that he should say that to the person he's dating, how come you don't share your, I'm curious, how come you don't share your feelings with me? You never tell me, yeah. or you rarely tell me how you really feel, because that's what he said here. Um, if this person is, their attachment style is avoidance. So you're saying, Gina, that they're avoiding the vulnerability. They don't want to be put in that spot. Um, how does the anxiety come into play? Because you said before, there's a lot of it going on. Um, how does that work here? Yeah. So the anxiety is, depends on which side you're on. Okay. So if we're talking about avoidance, there's a lot of anxiety for, if I let this person close, I'm not going to be independent. If I let this person close, they'll see who I really am and I'm not going to be good enough. If I let this person close, they're going to control me. They're going to take my money. They're going to take this. They're going to take that. You know, it, it's what the anxiety comes from the fear of loss and the fear of close. So it's a duel. It's a battle with those avoidance. They really want the closeness, but they're scared to death of it and push it away. Like you can have a great moment. Like you can go on a trip. You can have a great couple of days. And then all of a sudden things explode out of nowhere and you're kind of left with a WTF, we just had a great couple of days, what is going on? Mm-hmm. But there was too much intimacy and closeness, so now the shove has to come. Ah, and- okay, so what you're saying is the um, the wall came down, maybe, you know, maybe a weekend getaway, things were really great, and then yeah. that ended, and now the wall came back up. And now the yeah. other person, let's say even if it's Josh, that now he's looking at like, well, we were just great there, but now you're different now. What? What? How come? What's going on? Right? Yeah. Hmm. It, it gets really confusing and anxious. There's a lot of anxiety there too sometimes because it's if you're with an avoidant personality, right? Then you're always in this like you want to share, you want to be close. 
but you don't want to trigger them off either. So now you're feeling anxious. And, you know, the anxious person, the anxious attachment style really wants that closeness. And they want to make that person happy. And it also comes with that high anxiety with some insecurity, maybe some fear of abandonment, fear of being alone can be in there. Um, and a little bit of codependency can even be present. And within the anxious attachment style, there's this sensitive nervous system. And it just really becomes difficult. You want to share yourself. You want to share all this stuff. Though you're afraid if you share too much, you might push them away or they might not like you anymore, love you anymore for whatever matter. And also at the same time, an anxious attachment style can act out. So they'll have what's called protest behaviors. And both have protest behaviors. But the anxious one, when with an avoidant and getting triggered in their own attachment style, is likely to try to manipulate the situation and control it, try to make the other person jealous, try to show you what you're going to miss if you don't, like, come back to them, if that makes sense. You know, sometimes those avoidant attachments need a little bit more space. And it's not about their partner. It's about them. However, an anxious attachment style makes it about this. Why? And let's just focus on because of the anxiety situation being so prevalent now, based on what we, we said before. Why does somebody like Josh connect with somebody who has lots of anxiety? Would we potentially believe that he has lots of anxiety or some and, and he uh, uh, he attracted that? You know, one, the two styles attract one another and they trigger one another, which creates almost, oh my gosh, what's the word I want? Um, level of excitement. Okay, so it's really you get on a roller coaster, and it can be addictive. Those high lows can become addictive, and for whatever reason, we're attracting one another, and we connect on something, and it could be, could be, I'm not going to say factual, every situation is different, though an anxious attachment style can be listening to an avoidant and what they want and what they haven't found, and they can really see the best in that person. And then here comes the belief. I can make them happy. It can be different with me. They can have that with me. Mm. And with that, the anxious person aims to please. And with all that trying to please and an avoidant attachment style, it ends up triggering the avoidant to kind of back off because now they're getting triggered. And when that avoidant attachment pulls back, that now triggers your anxious attachment style, and they keep going after them. And that's one reason why it becomes toxic and a crazy high-low roller coaster and where it becomes important to know your attachment style. Like, there's so many different things that teach us about ourselves. We've got the personality types. We now have the Enneagram um, tests out there. We've got numerology that you can look at that tells you a lot. You've got your zodiac type. You've got the love languages that are highly suggested to know. And right alongside with those knowing the love languages, do you know how you show and receive love? I highly suggest attachment styles. So you can understand what yours is. You can understand what the person across from you is. 
and you can see where do I need to improve and really challenge the thoughts that are triggering the feelings that are now triggering the behaviors. Like I said before, thought, emotion, behavior, it's all linked. Well, based on what, um, what Josh shared with us, how would you describe his attachment style? Or was there well, not, enough, a, not enough information really? Uh, there, there's really not enough information. So really, Josh could be a stable attachment style or he could be anxious without really asking some more clarifying questions. Mm. There, there's a lot there. Something I am able to do with my clients is I have, um, and once my website goes off, this will probably all be out there. So there's an attachment theory test. And then there's also a partner questionnaire. So you can run through all the different groups and answer them for your partner. And then the self-assessment will also tell you where you're at. So um, just for example, so one question would be, I often worry my partner will stop loving me. If that's something someone thinks, that's an anxious trait. Okay? Um, I find I bounce back quickly after a breakup. It's weird how I can put someone out of my mind. That's going to be an avoidant trait. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, what you're saying here, because there's, there's a lot that we can learn from ourselves in just some of this basic stuff here. But So you're saying if somebody, if you've gotten to the point in your life where you feel that a relationship is not working, you don't want to deal with it, let's say it was a pretty close relationship, if you can easily just push them to the side, then you have avoidance, you would say? You could, yeah. Like, if you can drop a seven-year relationship just like that and move right on with somebody else and they're out of your mind, it's very possible you're an avoidant. Um, there's more questions go to go into that because also on the flip side, you know, there's, there's a lot of questions that go in and clarifying because – an anxious person can also have a seven-year relationship and jump back into another one, so for different reasons. It doesn't mean they just put that other person out of their mind, so they could be in another relationship based upon fear to be alone and the need to be in a relationship. So it really, just looking from the outside in, doesn't always give you the answer without asking those deeper clarifying questions or someone asking them of themselves and being honest with themselves. Hmm. I would love when you get that going, because I would love to find out, you know, what my attachment style is. I'm sure others are thinking the same thing. Like, I wonder who I am. I, I wonder. Yeah, definitely. And if we had more time, we could totally go through the whole test and people could do it. So um, yeah, that's one of the things that will be offered out there um, to kind of look at. And, you know, I do work with people with that. And I'll be honest, sometimes, especially for somebody with an avoidant attachment style, the great news is all this can be changed. Just like our brain, it's like plastic. It can mold and change. It's just a decision. So we can literally work to change our attachment style to become more stable, if not completely secure and stable. And for those secure people, I know we didn't touch on it much, but they can be with anybody and they calm the triggers of either of the other two attachments. So a secure person can be with anybody, which is why there's not a bunch of them in the dating world. <laughs> they typically do not just stay single. Um, it's kind of a rare if they've stayed single 
or maybe it's somebody who's been working to become secure and stable. Now, who um, is that? Who, When you say they don't stay single, who are those people? The secure attachment styles. And how do you define a secure attachment style? Well, they're not easily triggered. Um, so they have a great self-esteem. They're interdependent, not codependent. They have a really healthy view of life and relationships. And so they are able to be cooperative and have flexible behaviors. They don't view compromise as loss of self or loss of control. They can communicate very directly, even if that means telling their partner something their partner may not like. They can communicate directly. And they're also attuned to emotion. And so with that attunement, they can really assist their partner. They can kind of gauge if their partner needs some more validation or their partner needs some more space. And they trust pretty easily. Hmm. So it sounds like that that's a good catch. Like somebody who's, uh, you know, well-grounded, well-rounded, you know, they, they, they kind of figured it out. They kind of, you know, they're in a good place. Definitely. And that's why they stabilize or help stabilize those other two attachments. Like they can understand it and give them the space they need. Therefore, they can typically, if something is working well between another person, that stable, secure attachment isn't going to land single all the time. And if you're somebody like Josh, who it sounds like, and I'm not reading into this, and I'm not, I don't want to be negative on anybody's relationship, but, you know, based on what we're talking, you know, we're using that as a, an example. He doesn't sound like he's getting what he wants in terms of knowing how the other person feels about him and whether they, you know, how they care about him. Obviously, they wouldn't be together if there wasn't something that uh, connected them. Um, but it sounds like, this, like many relationships, after a point of time, it's like, I'm not getting what I want. It's like, you know, it sounds like he is, is um, he shares his feelings where the other person really doesn't. Is that almost like a recipe for disaster at some point where it's just not going to, eventually it's not going to work? I'm going to say yes and no. So this is what I ask of my clients who are dealing with this sort of stuff. If you're not getting what you need, have that conversation. Okay, I, this is what I need. How, or like, I need you to share your feelings with me. I need some more validation as to how you feel about me. Be specific in your needs and say, how do you feel about providing that for me? And don't, I say, do not ask questions that's going to get you a yes or no answer. Get communication and verbiage going. Ask clarifying questions. And I'm going to be honest. If your partner comes back and says, you're needy, I don't know if I can do that, or anything that doesn't give you what you really, truly need, it doesn't sound like they're going to be willing. And as much as it may be difficult, it may be time to call it. Now, if your partner does want to do it, okay, I'm willing to do that. Okay, how much do you think you can do that? Now, if they're unsure, all right, are they willing to discover what their attachment style is with you? Are they willing to learn this stuff to work together? Because an anxious attachment style, what is an avoidant attachment style, can work. It can. I don't want to exnate any relationship. But love is not enough. It's going to take 
knowledge and understanding of self and the other person to be aware when you're being triggered in your attachment style to really go, oh, okay, I'm being triggered right now in my attachment and communicate that to your partner. Hey, I'm feeling a little anxious right now about you leaving town without me. I just want you to share that. I just want you to know that right now, and I'm working with it, right? Have that conversation and be honest before you say or do something that is going to cause a fight. Well, I like what you said before. Be curious. Ask the curious questions. Put it on the other person, really. Uh, Great talk today, Gina. Um, We're out of time. How do we we find you? How do we... um, if somebody wants to to delve a little deeper into this in terms of attachment styles and basically figure out what's going on in their relationship, what do they do? Okay, a couple ways. My phone number, as always, um, is a great way, 816-572-7005. You can text or call. And Instagram page is coach underscore Gina B. You can message me on there as well. And my email is Gina at coachginab.com. Super cool talking with you today. And this is, this is the baseline for all relationships. It really is. I, that, that's my opinion. <laughs> I don't know if I'm right. Yeah. But, you know, if things aren't working in your relationship, you got different styles and you got to figure out if that's going to work for you. Uh, Gina, always great talking with you. Thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country, but unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together, We're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.